Welcome everyone to our podcast for today, being Friday the 26th of March. I'd like to uh, welcome you all, and I'm your host, David Lennox, and I'd also like to welcome our CEO, Angus Geddes. Angus? Good morning, David. Good morning to you as well. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we actually get into our discussions for the day. All our discussions today are general in nature and we are not providing personal advice. If you are seeking such personal advice, please contact your financial planner or advisor. Also, past, past performance is no indication of future performance. Well, Angus, let's get underway. Earlier in the week, and by early in the week, I mean on Monday, there was a precious metal that caught your eye, and you wrote in Monday's Daily that this precious metal had completed a topside breakout. Angus, what is a topside breakout? And more importantly, what was that precious metal that you were talking about or writing about? Well, David, the first and foremost, it was palladium. And um, palladium is one of the precious group of metals. It's one of the PGMs. Um, often probably discussed a little bit less than, say, silver or gold, but nevertheless, it's one of the um, PGMs. And um, earlier this week, uh, palladium broke out, and it actually broke out of um, through major resistance around that 2,500 level. Might help if the members went back and had a look at the emails, the daily emails, because I put a chart of it in there. Um, but quite a big resistance at 2,500. Uh, palladium broke out. It was a, a mine disruption offshore, which was was the catalyst. And um, anyway, it ran to about 2,600, uh, 2,600, 2,700 uh, an ounce. In fact, I think it even got to 2,750, which is pretty much up around where the record highs were uh, set back in early 2020 before the uh, before the COVID crash. So I think this is quite significant because it really looks like palladium is leading the precious group of metals on the upside. Um, we're yet to see follow through uh, in silver um, and, a, and, a, and a key topside reversal in gold. Um, but it's encouraging that palladium is, is behaving like a, um, uh, a precious metal and um, you know that we've had this uh, we've had this significant breakout. I think the other point I made in the daily was also about platinum, uh, which although it's well down on its record highs, also cleared resistance um, late last year, and uh, you know that's been um, that's been performing quite well. But obviously we have got a bit of a headwind this this week with the U.S. dollar. Uh, the the dollar index has been rising and that has acted as a, a little bit of a headwind really for the precious metal group generally um, and some of the other commodities. But um, palladium is proven to be one of the uh, one of the exceptions. Oh, that's excellent. Look, it, it, Angus, in that actual same daily, and, and you have actually thrown this, uh, this name into the conversation already, you mentioned that there was another precious metal that looked to have a similar uh, technical setup as palladium. You've mentioned it. What was that metal and why is it looking so similar to palladium? Well, I think um, 
just just to sort of highlight um, a couple of those other metals that we look, we've, we've been talking about. One to look at really is platinum. And um, this, this precious metal has been really in a, um, quite a nice uptrend since breaking above um, long-term resistance at um, around $1,000 an ounce. Now we had that breakout. I put charts of platinum um, in the daily, but yeah, it was a major, major breakout above resistance. And we saw, um, we saw platinum run from 950 up to 1300, and it's since pulled back to about 11, 1150. So it's retraced roughly half those, um, half those gains. But I think there's, you know, further upside to go there. You know, having broken out of that multi-year bear market that sort of went back to 2010. Um, but the one that's probably got the most similar characteristics really is silver, and it's low silver has sort of underperformed this week. Um, and then and in recent weeks. Um, it's been extending sideways in this big sort of um, uh, multi-month multi consolidation, which sort of extends back to March. And um, what we're what we've been seeing, you know, since really since July last year, when it had that huge run from I think it was around eleven dollars or twelve dollars it bottomed out in March last year, and it ran all the way through to 30. We've seen the sideways consolidation and extension, but a series of higher reactionary lows. So this is all quite a positive setup. We've had a number of runs at a couple of runs at the at the $30 resistance level. Um, every time silver pulls back, it seems to be basing at a much higher rate, so a much higher level. So you know, I'm sort of quietly confident that um, when the US dollar does run out of puff. And we, we start to see this rebound uh, and the greenback start to lose momentum and it starts to roll over. And I see it as a, a bounce. I don't think it's um, a bull market rally in the US dollar. I think the US dollar index could get to 94, 95 and then it's going to start to roll over again. Uh, I think that's when we'll see the life come back to all of these precious metals and potentially a topside breakout uh, in silver. Oh, that's great. Look, certainly I know that uh, silver was the, the commodity that you did mention in uh, in last Monday's daily. And obviously you're looking at uh, palladium and platinum. And, and in a similar characteristic, is gold showing the same sort of trading pattern as we've seen, or technical pattern, I should say, as we've seen with uh, perhaps uh, silver and, uh, and uh, palladium? So good question, David. Um... Look, it's not as bullish. It's not as bullish for gold uh, on, a, on a technical basis, looking at the, at the short term. It's not as bullish as silver, um, platinum, which is broken out of, out of major resistance, or certainly palladium. It, it's, the, the technical setup in the near term is not, not as bullish. And um, I think what we're sort of seeing now is just as gold kind of led the precious metals up, last year, you know, had that big run up to 2,150 when it topped out in August last year. Uh, we're now sort of seeing it underperform the other the other three. But, um, you know, looking further out, um, you know, I think um, gold has got a very, very positive setup um, technically. And, you know, I know a lot of investment banks have downgraded it recently. Um, 
citing US dollar strength as being, you know, one of the um, one of the catalysts for it to, um, you know, to, for it to underperform. Um, and it's hard to sort of say definitively when the, you know, when where where the weakness is going to settle, uh, where the gold price is going to settle in terms of the weakness that we're sort of seeing. You know, it's still correcting from those those highs of last year. But, you know, I think, um, you know, given Bitcoin has rallied tenfold since March last year uh, and some of those other cryptocurrencies and, you know, given what's going on with the central banks printing money, um, you know, I think the, um, the biggest story really is, um, you know, when the, um, when the uh, US dollar just does start to roll over. Uh, you know, one hypothesis that I've got is um, we've seen long-term interest rates back up in the US. And at what point does the Federal Reserve actually draw a line in the sand and start defending those bond yields and trying to um, trying to sort of cap them? Um, you know, the word, um, I've, I've heard some rumours that it's 21 2.2%. And you know what that would mean would be more intervention by the Fed would mean that they would effectively have to start buying their own bonds um, on, on the open market and using printed money to do that. So that could certainly be a, um, a negative catalyst for the greenback. So look, I, I just think that the US dollar is going to run out of puff. I think this is a rebound. You know, it had a sharp drop, and then when we see the US dollar start to roll over and weaken we'll see the strength come back into the precious metals. Point number two, gold is still weakening uh, in the face of a, uh, a strong US dollar, but the other precious metals are exhibiting um, much more constructive uh, technical patterns. So, you know, I think that we have got some weakness in the PGMs sort of near term, and I think that that's all gonna sort of blow over. Ah, look, you've preempted one of the questions that I had for perhaps uh, later in our discussion, and that uh, that was uh, about the US dollar. Uh, so I'll, I'll actually bring it forward. In today's daily, you actually did head it up. It's all in the dollar. Why is it that one currency is so important to the investment world, please, Angus? Well, that's a good question, Dave, and it sort of goes right to the sort of the heart of um, – I guess, our bullish view on precious metals. And that is that um, the US dollar has been the world's reserve currency. So it's the currency that um, the whole world pretty much transacts in. Um, and it really has no rival. You've got the Euro, um, which would probably be the second choice in terms of a, a, a world reserve currency. And then you've got the rise of China and the renminbi. But, um, you know, given that the US dollar is the world reserve currency, you know, the US government has allowed to, has been allowed to effectively print a lot more money than if they weren't the world's reserve currency. Um, and um, so anyway, so cut a long story short, you've got the greenback as the world's reserve currency. You've got the US government uh, printing a lot of money. They've printed it and expanded the money supply at an unprecedented rate uh, in the last 12 months due to COVID and the, um, and the recession. Uh, and you've got the Biden administration in there, you know, they've just done the $1.9 trillion package. 
the next thing that's going to happen is um, there's talk now about an infrastructure package, you know, rebuild the nation, uh, which could involve, you know, anywhere from sort of two, three, four trillion dollars. So more, more money is going to get printed. So I think that the US dollar is key, certainly to our bullish uh, view on commodities and, um, and the precious metals. You know, and if we're right, the US dollar does start to roll over that later this year and it does go back down and test those lows. You're going to see the bid come back into the precious metals and the commodity markets. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, what's, um, you know, what's bad for the US dollar is going to be good for, good for them. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I actually pulled that forward because we, we talk about the US dollar so often and, and perhaps it just now gives our members the, the, the opportunity to just sit down and dwell on why that currency is so important. Look, there's another couple of names that really do get thrown about a lot in the investment world and that is uh, uh, Jerome Powell and obviously now Janet Yellen. Powell yeah. is the chair of the US Federal Reserve and Yellen is the US Treasury Secretary. Why are the actions and the views of these two people, like the US dollar, so important to the investment world? Well, keep in mind, Dave, that um, Janet Yellen used to be the head of the Federal Reserve. Um, and, you know, she's got a history, as, as have some of those other Fed chairs, such as um, Ben Bernanke, you might recall, and then before Ben Bernanke, we had Alan Greenspan. And, um, you know, they've sort of maintained and facilitated this thing called the Greenspan put. You know, every time there's problems uh, in the financial markets, these central bankers tend to worry that that will transmute and transmit into more problems for the economy. And so they tend to act and cut interest rates and, and turn on the liquidity spigots. So now we've got the joint combination of Janet Yellen, who runs the Treasury Department. You know, she's a big um, advocate of easy monetary policy uh, and using that as a, um, you know, as a, um, as a, as a tool to um, um, perhaps shorten the US economic cycle uh, and, you know, prevent a recession from being too deep. And, you know, Jer Jerome Powell's pretty much cut from the same cloth as well. So I think that, you know, these two central bankers, or the, the fact that um, one of them runs the Treasury and one of them runs the the Federal Reserve, it is significant because they're going to err on the side of caution. And we've seen that, you know, we've seen um, noises sort of emanate from them that they're prepared to tolerate higher levels of inflation uh, and for the US economy to um, overshoot in terms of growth and ter certainly in terms of inflation, um, you know, they're prepared to tolerate that. So I guess it's going to be interesting in terms of the next 12 months because you know, if we do get these GDP um, growth rates of sort of six, six and a half, which some of the investment banks are forecasting, then surely we have to get a lot of inflation. You know, and as you and I both know, um, you know, once the inflation genie is out of the bottle, it's pretty hard to put back. So these two individuals are significant, um, and I think they are. You know, they're going to be there uh, maintaining uh, easy monetary policy and perhaps you know, facilitating the US government through the printing of more money, you know, and that ultimately that has to be very, very bullish for the precious metals. I mean, if we've seen Bitcoin go up tenfold and Ethereum go up tenfold, you know, in the last year, then 
you know, I think we're due sometime this year for a decent, decent rally in those precious metals. Uh -huh. Oh, look, it does appear as, uh, and look, Angus, we, we discussed this la in last week's inaugural uh, podcast, and, and that was inflation. And on Tuesday, in Tuesday's Daily, you wrote that uh, you thought we were only partway through a second act of a Shakespearean drama when it comes to rising inf inflation. You related this statement to the cryptocurrencies. How do cryptos reflect the concerns around growing inflation? Well, I think, um, you know, there's a, you know, we're, we're sort of long in the tooth, Dave. You know, I'm in my 50s and <laughs> I think you're late, late 50s, aren't you? <laughs> um, look, I think there's a whole generation out there that are younger than us that don't really see, uh, probably don't really sort of see the precious metals as a hedge against inflation, probably prefer the digital currencies. Um, Look, the, the cryptocurrencies have performed extremely well because there's a perception that supply is extremely limited. And last year, we saw the mining rate or the production rate of Bitcoin half. There can only ever be uh, a ceiling, I think, of around 24 million uh, individual units. And um, so the, the supply is extremely, extremely limited. And what we've really seen is, you know, we live in a digital age. Uh, more and more companies are accepting Bitcoin as payment and integrating the digital currency as part of their payment systems, such as Tesla. Uh, and a lot of the investment banks have come full circle and changed um, changed their perception to it. So, look, to answer your question, the cryptocurrencies' perceptions have certainly changed. Um, I wouldn't be um, wouldn't be chasing wouldn't be chasing the um, the cryptocurrencies just yet, and I think the third act in the Shakespearean play uh, is to come, and you know it could be when we get a lot of inflation. You know we're sort of seeing some of that inflation come through in the CPI and the PPI. I think um, if we do get a surge in growth, supply lines may get really tight and strapped. And you know that could lead to um, a lot of price input pressure, um, you know, throughout the um, supply chain, which leads to a lot of inflation. So I think there is a third act to come, and you know, and that will have inflation all over it. So um, you know, watch the space. I think the central banks are sort of saying that they're not worried if inflation goes above two percent and that they can contain it. But you know, whenever we've had a meaningful breakout uh, in inflation in history you know history's shown it's been very hard to um, contain it and a lot of it you know is also about future perceptions of inflation so it's quite hard to rein in once the uh, the genie's out of the bottle um you know time will certainly tell um but i think if ever there was a time uh that we would get inflation brought on by pretty loose uh fiscal and uh, fiscal policies and, and and certainly monetary policies by the central banks. It's now. Oh, fabulous, Angus. Before we've just got a couple of more questions to go. The next one is how have you? Obviously, we've got a very strong thematic around inflation. How have you positioned your portfolios to capture that thematic as it unrolls over the course of the rest of this year and certainly probably uh, longer? Uh, look, 
Um, the obvious one, obviously, is in the precious metals. And we've got a long position in platinum. And obviously, we've got representation in our portfolios uh, and gold and silver producers. Um, and we tend to be, you know, we tend, I've tended to sort of focus at the larger end of the market um, sim simply because, um, you know, some of these, these producers, you know, their cash flows expand significantly when precious metal prices go up. Um, so we've sort of focused on that. Uh, we've also gone for other commodities. And, you know, we own, you know, in the, in the managed account portfolios, I mean, the big ones really are Rio, BHP and Fortescue. You know, we've done well on the iron ore. Quite like Whitehaven Coal. Uh, you know, that's a, a stock that's been really out of favour. Uh, but we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the coal price turn around recently. Uh, and they're generating quite a lot of cash flow. So we've positioned which positioned our, our portfolios in that company. Um, the other um, play that we've got at the moment is in the financials. And we went for some of the most depressed financial stocks uh, on the planet, and that's in Japan. Some of those banks have got the lowest price-to-book ratios. Uh, so we bought banks such as Sumitomo Mitsui Financial Group, Chiba, Fukuoka, uh, and Namura. And you know a lot of these these bank stocks are sort of well down on their highs from sort of 30, 40 years ago. So um, I, I think you know as inflation heats up, as the long end of the uh, yield curve rises, that is a panacea for the banks because their their margins expand, and when their margins expand, their profits expand. So we're positioned there. The company that I really like in Australia, uh, and I, and I'm not just picking on Australia because I live here, but this is one of the most depressed uh, insurance companies on the planet, and that's QBE Insurance. It's the stock that everyone loves to hate. Um, it hasn't done much for a decade, but it's got two quite powerful tailwinds. One's rising bond rates. As those bond rates go up, their investment income rises. So it's a, um, it's a big boost to their income. And secondly, we're seeing you know, a rise in the premium rates. So, you know, they had a lot of false starts, CEOs coming and going. I think the new CEO who's taken over comes with a tremendous track record. I reckon he'll be pretty good. <coughs> and of course, um, you know, it's the company that fund managers love to hate because it, you know, it just hasn't done anything for 10 years. But that's, you know, no reason to say that it won't do anything over the next five. Obviously, Angus, they're, they're, they're very good tailwinds for QBE. But QBE, if I can remember rightly, and I'm a, I'm a resource analyst, so please excuse, but it, it's a property insurer, isn't it? And what would have the uh, recent uh, uh, East Coast uh, uh, big wet, uh, how will that impact on, the, on QBE in the short term? And will those other factors that you've just mentioned, will, will they be able to mitigate to, mitigate uh, that impact somewhat? Yeah, look, I think um, I think that QBE has been able to uh, manage manage and navigate the, the flood risks in Australia quite well. Um, COVID was a different story. You know, they did get hit there with the, um, with the pandemic, you know, and that was more really about um, courts making the insurance companies accountable. You know, QBE's argument was that um, the ambit of the claim should have been narrowed. Um, but I think this is more clear cut. It's obviously a natural disaster. 
uh, at QBE, they're a global insurer uh, with some, some Australian exposure. So they're probably not as exposed as some of the other main insurance stocks. And you know, obviously the share price would, would not be at 970, 980, um, you know, if they were going to, going to get walloped between the um, between the teeth. So, you know, I think that um, they'll, they'll sort of come through this quite well. Oh, look, thanks uh, for uh, for that. It, it's, uh, I guess, important, especially when you think about uh, the events that we've seen here in Sydney and the flooding, and just to be at least uh, aware that uh, there are other drivers that QBE can call on to generate value. Well, look, Angus, I think we've probably come to the end of our uh, podcast time. Uh, please, everyone, join us again next week. And Angus, if you'd like to say your final farewell until next week, please. Thanks, David. Always a pleasure. Enjoy doing these podcasts, and I hope uh, members are getting some value out of out of uh, out of them. Um, and I just want to thank any of our members who are shareholders in FPC, Fat Profits Global Contrarian Fund, for uh, participating in the share purchase plan. Uh, you know, every dollar counts. And uh, thank you for your support. And on that note, have a great weekend. Thanks very much, Angus. And thanks, everybody. Again, we will be certainly uh, joining you again for our, our next podcast next Friday, and it'll be uh, put up onto our members' website for you to, uh, to listen to at your leisure. Thanks, everyone. Signing off for now. So I hit record. I've now muted everyone. How do I stop it? You just close. Oh. But have we done the session? Yeah. But how do so I... when you when you hit the the start broadcast button, didn't another screen pop up? No. Have I not done anything? I hit the record.